Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Thrive Sermon Series. During this series, we're exploring what it means and looks like to thrive in Christ. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We'd love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. The fruit of the Spirit that is peace, like all the other fruit of the Spirit, is a character trait that God wants to grow up in us, to continually produce. And here's what we need to understand. God gives us the power to bear the fruit, but God expects us to develop and to display the fruit of the Spirit by, by putting on, literally putting it on and taking off the things that are not the fruit of the Spirit. So today we're going to talk about putting on the fruit of peace. Um, you know, uh, a close look at scriptures reveals that peace is actually threefold. Jerry Bridges has written this. There's peace with God. There's peace with ourselves. There's peace with other people. These three uh, are not, um, they're not three parallel uh, but unrelated types of peace. Rather, they're, they're three different expressions of one peace, the peace that God gives the fruit of the Spirit. The, these different facets complement and reinforce one another and produce an overall character trait in us. And each aspect has unique characteristics that contribute in varying ways to peace in our lives. So we're going to look at three kinds of, of peace, and it's all the peace of the fruit of the Spirit. So here's the first one, peace with God. Peace with God. The foundation of peace with God is faith. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 1, he said, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Prior to our salvation, prior to accepting Jesus Christ, we were enemies of God. Our sin, our sinfulness, our our willingness, our unwillingness to admit that there was a God who loved us, that separated us from God and made us enemies with God. You might not think about that, but it has made us enemies. When we accept Christ as our Savior and as our Lord and receive his forgiveness for our sins, we're washed clean. Our sins are forgiven and we're made friends with God through faith. So we have peace with God. Now, this begs a question for all of us. Have you made peace between yourself and God? Have you made peace with him? Maybe you didn't know you had to. Uh, Maybe you just never understood this. But here's the truth. Every person has to make peace with God because our sins offend God and separate us from God, make us enemies with God. In fact, our sins separate us from God in this life and in the afterlife, in eternity. Unless we receive 
accept the forgiveness that Jesus freely offers to us. You see, here's the truth. Every person will spend eternity somewhere. Every person will spend eternity somewhere. If you make peace with God, you can spend eternity with God. If you don't make peace with God, you will spend eternity separated from God. If you want to make sure that you can do that, it's very simple. If you've never done it, you you can do it this morning. In fact, right now, in the beginning of this sermon, I'm going to give anyone the opportunity that's never made peace with God to do so. And to make peace with God, you just have to come to a couple of realizations. Number one, you just need to realize that God loves you. God loves you. Regardless of where you are without, God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. And you have to own the truth that everybody before you has is that my sin, your sin, it separates us individually from God. And there's only one thing that can remove that sin, and that's receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, accepting his forgiveness for our sins. And when we do that, we're made friends with God. We make peace with God. So, so you can do that. And very simply, you can do that with a prayer. I, I, any prayer that you just say to him that you believe in him and you accept his forgiveness and you want to follow him. But I'm going to give you the opportunity, if you've never done this today, to pray this prayer now. So this is all bow our heads right for a second. Just close our eyes. And, and you can repeat this silently after me. If you want to pray this for the first time or if you want to renew that relationship. Dear Lord Jesus, just repeat that to him silently. I know I'm a sinner. Tell him that. I ask for your forgiveness. Go ahead and tell him. I believe you died for my sins. Tell him that. That you rose again from the dead. Tell him that. And I trust and follow you. Tell him that. As my Lord and Savior. Go ahead. So Lord, guide my life. And help me to do your will. In the name of Jesus, amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or if you renewed that, I'd love to put one of these books in your hands. You see me after the service. We just want to encourage you to grow in that relationship. Now that you've made peace with God, you're a son, you're a daughter of God. And he wants to grow in that relationship with you. So we want to encourage you in that. So that's peace with God. What about peace with self? Peace with self. Do you have inner peace? Or do you find yourself worried? Are you afraid? I know many of you are. Does worry rob you of peace of mind? You know, some of us worry uh, uh, about very practical, everyday life problems. Putting food on the table, having enough money to pay our bills, heating our homes. Some of our our worries are are practical like that about uh, paying the bills. But but some of our worries are are much more big picture. Are you worried about the economy? Uh, Are you anxious about what's going on in the political climate of our country? Are you worried about terrorism? Are, Are you worried about your rights? 
These are all valid concerns, but, but let me remind you of a truth. And there's the scripture that I want us to see here. Because Jesus told this to his disciples and he tells it to us. You see, after he told his disciples that he was going to leave them, that he was going to go away and they would grieve, he said that their mourning, their sadness would turn to joy. And this is what he said. I have told you those, these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There's two truths that Jesus wants us to hear. Here's the first one. In this world you'll have trouble. Yeah, we have troubles. We all do. Um, sometimes when I look at the global world, I realize that a lot of my troubles are uh, first world problems, troubles. And my troubles aren't really that big. But Jesus said, in this world, you'll have troubles. So that's a truth. I think we all know that. But he said this. Here's the second truth. You can have peace because Jesus has overcome the world. You know what's really amazing about these words of Jesus. He told this to his disciples who went back and told it to other followers of Jesus and took it to the early church. And think about this. These first century Christians, this first century church, they faced terrorism and threats every day in their neighborhood, in their hometowns, in their, sometimes in their own families. And they considered it all joy when they encountered various trials, knowing that the testing of their faith would produce more faith. Wow. The first century Roman economy was far worse than anything any of us have ever lived through. But we read that those first century Christ followers shared generously. They sold what they had and made sure that everybody had enough to eat and was housed. Those first century Christians were in the minority they had no say over their government leaders. There were no Democrats, Republicans, Independents. They had no civil liberties, no Constitution, no Bill of Rights. They didn't wring their hands and rant about what their next leaders should be, who they should be. They just did whatever it took to love God by following Jesus and love people like Jesus told them to do. And because they did that, it changed the world. And you and I are right now in this room because of their faith. Because their faith gave them more peace than the world offered them. They had troubles in this world, but they, came, but they overcame the world through their faith in Jesus. What they had in faith was faith in Jesus who died to free them from their sins and who rose again from the dead and gave them power to share that message with other people. And the message went out and more and more people came to faith in Jesus Christ and had their lives changed. Now, today there are many Christ followers who have no peace. 
There are Christ followers saying that we put, uh, we have to put our trust in this presidential candidate or that presidential candidate, uh, and we need to make sure that all of our rights are protected. There are Christ followers that say we need to make sure the economy doesn't fail. We need to make sure that we do this or do that, or this entire world that we live in is going to go to hell in a handbasket. There's just gloom and doom all around us. Folks, when we do that, we're acting like people who have no faith. And when you have no faith in God, you won't have peace. But if you have faith, you will have inner peace. Uh, I'm going to give you a scripture. and Actually, I'm going to ask you to write it down uh, because I want you to meditate on this this week. It's from the book of Romans. It's chapter 13. It's the first two verses, chapter 13, 1 and 2. I'm going to read them to you. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. That's perplexing, but it's in God's word, and so we know it's true. It was probably perplexing then. Because Roman emperors were nasty to Christians. They killed them for sport. So what does that mean today? It means in God's sovereignty, God will establish whoever becomes the president of the United States or the president or leader of any country. God will establish it. And it means we should do our part as citizens of this country, but then we should trust that God will work in or through or around any leader that God so desires. It also means that God is in control of all things. So if you have fear about politics, God is in control. If you have fear about your finances, God is in control. If you have fear about your relationships, God is in control. If you are grieving the loss of a loved one and you have no peace, God is in control. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. If you don't have peace, it's a result of not trusting God. You can't make yourself have peace. Oh, for a while. You can do it for a while. You can, you can keep it up. But not lasting peace. Only God can. If you're not trusting in him, you won't have peace. Look, if you're anxious, if you're worried, if you're stressed out, if you're unable to relax, you need to turn to God. Jesus said, I have come to give them rest. That's peace. God's word testifies to the fact that God will give us peace if we focus on him. So we need to focus on God's word. Uh, I'm going to give you a challenge right now, and, and it's a challenge to memorize a verse of Scripture, a, a verse that, that I pray often with people, for people, for myself, for others, and it's one that I memorize, and you need to memorize it too. You need to have God's word in your heart so that when you're not feeling peaceful, you can remember this. It's from Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you need peace? Claim that promise. 
claim that promise. We all need to. Here's the third area of peace we talked about, peace with others. Jerry Bridges has written this, the pursuit of peace does not include an easygoing, peace-at-any-price kind of attitude. It does not include capitulating to wrong or injustice just for the sake of maintaining appearances. This kind of behavior often leads instead to strife within ourselves. The conflicts that are disturbing our peace with others must be courageously and graciously faced and dealt with. Pursuing peace does not mean running away from the causes of discord. So we're going to talk about peace with two different groups of people. Here's the first one we're going to talk about. Peace with other Christ followers. It's so important. Jesus prayed that we would be one, that we would have peace within the body of Christ, that we would be united, that we would have unity. If you're not maintaining peace with another Christ follower, you are bringing a cancerous sin into the body of Christ, and that in itself is sin. You know, everybody in this room this morning that's made the commitment to be a member, who's made the covenant, the membership covenant, Remember, you made a promise to maintain the unity of the body, not because Clark says so, not because the elder board says so, but because God's word says so. We're supposed to maintain unity in the body. Now, look, I know this is tough because sometimes we have discord. You know what? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something for all of us to understand. Look, if you're married... If you're not maintaining unity in your marriage and you are both Christ followers, you're creating discord. That's sin. You need to do whatever it takes to maintain unity as a brother and sister in Christ. Your marriage is spoken about as the example of the relationship between Christ and the church. You need to maintain unity, whatever it takes. Look, I've done marriage counseling. I mean, I participated in it, not done it for others. Cynthia and I have done it. Why? Because we want to do whatever it takes to maintain unity in our marriage. You need to, too. Let me say this to those of you who may be dating. If you're not united, getting married is not going to make you be united. So you really need to pray into that, okay? Uh, When I do premarital counseling, I say, listen, if you're getting into this marriage thinking that he or she is going to change when you put that ring on their finger, uh, that doesn't change people, okay? God changes people. So be very cautious. Parents, Kids, if there's disunity, you need to do whatever it takes to maintain unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, your parents and kids, you need to do whatever it takes to maintain unity in your family, to maintain peace. Do whatever it takes. You know, anytime you do counseling, whether it's marriage counseling or family counseling or individual counseling uh, with a, a Christ follower and counselor, you are investing in your relationships. You're investing. So let's talk about maintaining unity in the body of Christ, peace with other Christ followers that aren't as close to us. 
Look, we have to be united in what the essentials of our faith is. We have to be united in that. There are some non-essentials in which we're free to have different views about. But look at this scripture from Romans chapter 12. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. This is essential. We're part of one body. Each one of us is part of something bigger than ourselves. That's amazing because through the church, Jesus Christ is changing the world. And we can work with him or we can work against him. Working against him is creating disunity. Working together is fostering unity and peace and helping achieve what Jesus wants us to achieve. So we're connected to one another. We're part of each other's life, whether we like it or not. You're part of my life. I'm part of your life. We're connected. So we can't bring sin into the body. We need to work for peace. Romans 14, 19 says this. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Are you making every effort that leads to peace with other Christ followers? That leads to mutual edification? That builds them up? doesn't mean you can't have hard conversations. Hard conversations are good. But we do it in love. We edify one another. We build one another up. And we do whatever it takes to keep peace. We need to openly own this truth. Every single one of us is that has discord, a lack of peace in a relationship, we need to own that we're part of the problem and that we can be part of the solution. That we're part of the problem and we can be part of the solution. And as Christ followers, we're commanded to make every effort that leads to peace. So we have to take the initiative. You know what? We know. We know what Christ has taught us. We know that we need to make every effort that leads to peace. It's up to us to, to work for peace. So let's talk about peace with those who aren't our brothers and sisters in Christ. Peace with non-Christ followers. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful and do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it, is, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This scripture instructs Christ followers how to work for peace with all people. Christ followers and non-Christ followers. And look, two points, you can't miss them. Verse 18, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If there's not peace in a relationship, if you're a Christian, it's your responsibility to initiate the peace talks. Okay? It's your responsibility. And here's the second part. Maybe this is hard for some of us. Verse 19, do not take revenge. There's two kinds of revenge. There's blatant, in-your-face revenge, and there's passive-aggressive revenge. You can't take either kind. Leave it up to God. 
God is the justice maintainer. Let God do that. So we're not to overcome others with evil. We're supposed to overcome evil with good. So we've looked at this scripture, how to have peace with God, how to have peace with others, how to have peace within ourselves. A big part of the reason some of us don't have peace is because where we fix our eyes, what we're looking at. Don't fix your eyes on money. You won't have peace. Jesus said you can't be aligned with both God and money. It won't work. Remember, money is a tool, not a God. Remember, Jesus is the Son of God, the Prince of Peace. Don't fix your eyes on the network or cable news or on social media. Fix your eyes on God and God's Word. Read it, study it, memorize it. While Christ followers live in this world, we're not supposed to take our cues from the ways of this world. If you do take your cues from the world, you won't have peace. Recently, I read some, uh, heard some words that Andy Stanley spoke, and I'm going to summarize them and make them my own, but, uh, but I want to give credit where credit is due. He, he said, you know, I want to say something to a couple of groups of people, so I want to do that today. I want to say something to a couple of groups of pe- people. First, to those of us that are 45 and older, Okay. Are you over 45, Rick? (laughs) Yeah. Look, folks, many of us have grown weary and tired, and we've lost heart. We've lost our personal peace, and here's why. We've fixed our eyes on a political system, or we've fixed our eyes on a political leader, or we've fixed our eyes on the good old days we fixed our eyes on the economy, and you're growing weary. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus and knock it off when it comes to fixing our eyes on all these other things. And I'll tell you why. There are other generations coming up behind us. And they're taking their cue, some of the good stuff and some of the bad stuff from us. Here's the cue that we're giving. We sort of have this idea, well, if we don't get the right person in the, in the office, it's the end of the world. If we, if we don't fix the economy, it's the end of the world. If we don't have religious freedom like our parents had, it's the end of the world. Oh, my goodness, if we don't get the right laws passed, if we don't get the right policies, it's all coming unraveled. Nothing could be further from the truth. Yeah, government matters. Policies matter. But neither of those matter as much as men and women who understand this word, faith. Faith. Faith is confidence that God keeps his promises and nothing can thwart the plans of God. We know this from the Old Testament. We know this from the New Testament. We know this because the most powerful person in Judea, Pilate, looked at Jesus and said, what is truth? And then he said, crucify him, game over, 
we're done. Let's move on. And the only reason that you and I know who Pilate is, the only reason we've heard of the name of Pontius Pilate is because you and I know the story of Jesus. Otherwise, Pontius Pilate is a lost footnote in the history of the world. There's a whole lot of first century people whose names we know about only because we know the name of Jesus. We know the story of Jesus. So to all of us that are over 45, we got to knock it off and stop fixing our eyes on anything else but Jesus. You and I need to model to the generations after us that God is in control, that God can be trusted, that God is sovereign. So look, get involved in the political system. Get involved in the culture. Get involved in changing our society. But never fix your eyes on anything other than Jesus. Now let me say something to those under the age of 45, especially those of you who are 20 and 30. Don't grow weary and lose heart. Don't fix your eyes on social media. Don't fix your eyes on Washington, D.C. Don't fix your eyes on my generation. Don't grow weary and lose heart. Because once upon a time in the history of the world, there were a group of people your age who embraced a resurrected Savior and embrace the teaching of that resurrected Savior. And that group of people from your generation changed the world. And they did that through faith. Yeah. So why don't we have peace? We don't have peace because we fix our eyes on something other than Jesus. And when we fix our eyes on something other than Jesus, we trust in things other than God. We're going to sing a, a closing hymn that we sang earlier. Um, it is well with my soul. I, I just need to tell you the story of this. Some of you have heard it before from me or somebody else, but I just got to tell you again. Horatio Spafford is the man who wrote the lyrics to this in the 1800s. He was a wealthy Chicago lawyer with a thriving law practice. He had a wife, four daughters, and a son. He was a devout Christian and a faithful student of the scriptures. At the very height of his financial and professional success, Horatio and his wife Anna suffered the tragic loss of their young son. Shortly thereafter, October 8, 1871, was the Great Chicago Fire, and it destroyed almost every real estate investment that Spafford owned. So a few years later, Spafford scheduled a, a trip just uh, to go and rest and have some peace with his family. And uh, he gave his wife and daughters a much-needed vacation just to recover from all the loss. So he sent, uh, they all went out to New York. They, they were getting ready to board a ship. Um, he had some unexpected last-minute business. So he sent them on ahead on the ship, and he said he would catch the next ship. Several days later, he received notice that his family's ship had encountered a collision and all four of his daughters had drowned and only his wife had survived. 
So with a heavy heart, Spafford boarded the next ship that would take him to his grieving wife. And it was on that trip that he penned these words. I had this vision of Horatio Spafford on the bow of that ship in a storm and the the sea billows are rolling and and he's weeping. He's weeping for his daughters and his son. And he says, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows sea billows roll whatever my lot whatever's happened to me you have taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul I can't imagine I don't want to imagine but if we're going to have peace in this world we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus have peace in our relationships, in our marriages, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplace. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. If we're going to bring peace to this world, to our neighborhoods, to our cities, to the Middle East, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And then we've got to go out and be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. They are sons and daughters of God. So I want to pray for us that we can have that kind of peace and be peacemakers. So I'm going to invite you to stand up and and I'm going to invite you to just place your hands out to to hold nothing but receive the peace of God. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we come into this place today, we we hear about the fruit of the spirit of peace and, and we thank you that you've given us the power to have it. But we know it's our responsibility to let it grow and produce. And so Lord, We confess that we too often don't have peace. We don't fix our eyes on you. We fix our eyes on things. We blow up relationships or businesses or or families or marriages or or countries. Lord, we, we don't make peace. And Lord, we struggle with peace. We have anxiety. We grieve the loss of loved ones. We, we ache, we hurt, and we struggle to have peace. But Lord, we know that peace comes in surrendering to you and by faith saying, Lord, we are going to trust you when life has sea billows that roll over us. We will stand and be faithful men and women and fix our eyes on you. And we will sing with tears in our eyes, with lumps in our throats, that it is well. It is well with our soul. So, Lord, we do that today, right now, in your son's name. Amen. If you want to pray with somebody after I release you, the prayer team will be up here. Just come on up. If you prayed that prayer to have peace with God, come on up. We want to encourage you. Let me pray over you. Lord Jesus, We're not going to be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we're going to make our requests known to you. And Lord, we have this promise that when we do so, the peace of God, the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, 
will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So as we leave here today, we go in the peace of Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. It's our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information about Valleybrook Community Church, please visit our website at valleybrook.cc.